good. That worked well last week. Yeah. <laughs> this one is called The Pause That Refreshes, if you need a name. Uh, in the last few weeks, I have been involved in what I would call an intentional pause that refreshes. And if you're as old as I am, you may remember the old slogan used by Coca-Cola. They called Coke the pause that refreshes, which is where I got the title from. So I've been doing that. I put my life on pause, and that's not as easy as you may think, because we all live in a very busy world and have a huge number of daily demands and a bunch of obligations that need to be taken care of. In my life, I work with an iPhone, FaceTime, Skype, Viber, WhatsApp, Messenger, iMessage, emails, and the list just keeps going on, and they ting all day and all night because of the time difference between now and overseas. So pushing a pause button on life is never an easy thing to accomplish. So the key word, if you want to push the pause button so that you can have a pause that refreshes, is the word intentional. It doesn't happen by accident. And so you have to do this intentionally. And in my life, I have been taking time to do this. And the thing that got me started was I needed to have my thinking catch up with my feelings. Sometimes your feelings, uh, feeling tired, feeling upset, feeling angry, feeling frustrated, feeling discouraged, feeling depressed, whatever, uh, you have to stop long enough to allow your thinking to catch up with your feelings so that you begin to get some sort of context for all the things that you're feeling. So hopefully the pause is a short season but um, already I've learned some things and I'm adjusting my life so that I can grow and face the challenges and the changes that we'll soon be facing. So, I guess so. Um, in the pause that refreshes, you have to sort through the feelings, get the thinking to connect to the feelings, and then move them forward so that you begin to understand the changes that your experiences are going to cause and your circumstances over the last time since you last had a time that refreshes. I'm going to pause it refreshes. So these are intentional pauses so we can settle things on the inside. Most Christians don't do this. If you were in the business world, you would do this. They'd actually give you time to do this. If you're in an academic world, they actually give you time to do this. It's called a sabbatical. Um, but most Christians in regular life don't do this. And so for me, what happens is all the feelings and all the circumstances, situations, relationships, they're floating around on the inside and they're flapping and they keep hitting you in the face until you take the time to nail all those loose noodles down so they stop doing that. And uh, so that's what a pause does. It stops the flapping so that you can actually settle your gut down and make some decisions. Okay. Um, the other thing you do in a pause that refreshes is you take all the experiences, the feelings, the circumstances, and you get to understand them because your thinking is catching up with your feelings. And then you can sort them and assimilate them into what you already were and what's already happened in your life. So it's almost like your brain needs to file them in the right places so that you become a whole person again. So many, many decades ago, um, when I first learned this, uh, there's a business guy who's now dead. He was a multi-billionaire. And he said, follow effective action with quiet reflection. 
from the quiet reflection will, be, will come even more effective action. So you have effective action. You're doing things that are accomplishing things. You must follow that with quiet reflection. And then out of the quiet reflection will come even more effective and efficient actions. So what we have to do is learn how to pause life, push the pause button, and then allow the Holy Spirit to bring things together. Then you gain wisdom from your understand from your experiences and you'll gain understanding. And then you'll stop just having experiences for the sake of having experiences, which is typically what Christians do. So in the late 1800s, early 1900s, there was an Anglican bishop called Bishop Bompass. Um, you could Google him and find all sorts of things about him, but he was traveling from the east, from what's now Quebec, to Athabasca, which is northern Alberta, to establish the church. And he was moving with First Nation guides and helpers because they had a whole slew of canoes they were working through the country with. And they were going at a terrific pace day after day after day after day. And they would go from very early in the morning till very late at night. And one day he woke up and he was ready to move out and the helpers refused to go. This is a well-known story. And when Bishop Bompass asked why, they, they replied very quickly, we need to pause and let our souls catch up with us. That's the pause that refreshes. So if you want to grow and mature as believers or as people, um, there are some kinds of growth and maturity that only result from taking a pause and allowing the lessons to catch up with us. So I want to talk about that pause that refreshes. And these are my observations through the years when I've taken these pauses. Number one, reflection, which is what you're pausing to do, is to reflect. Reflection turns experience into insight. Reflection turns your experiences into insight. 2000, for the last 2,000 years, people have said experience is the best teacher. Mm -hmm. According to one expert that I looked it up, the earliest recorded version of that saying comes from the Roman Emperor Julius Caesar, who really wrote, experience is the teacher of all things. And I disagree. Experience is not the best teacher. Evaluated experience is. Because you can have experiences till they come out of your ears and never grow and never mature and never learn anything. So if you're going to have experiences, you have to take the time to evaluate the experiences. And that means taking a pause and reflecting on the experiences. That means you have to intentionally push pause and let your understanding catch up with you or let your thinking catch up with your feelings so that you gain new insights into yourself, your relationships, your work. And then you end up knowing the changes that you need to be making. So reflection turns experience into insight. Number two, everyone needs a time and a place to pause. And I've never met a person who does this that didn't benefit from it. Stopping to reflect 
is one of the most valuable activities people can do to learn and to grow and to mature and to make positive changes. Otherwise, you're just like the rat, just running a rat race, or like the gerbil we used to have that just went around and around and around in the wheel. wheel, thank you. Stopping to reflect is more valuable than being motivated or encouraged. And those are the two things we're always looking for, something to motivate us and something to encourage us. If you take the wrong turn and you're going down the wrong path, what you need is not motivation to keep going or go faster or encouragement. What you need is someone to say, would you please stop and reflect, realize you're going down the wrong path and change the path. So reflection is more needed in our lives than encouragement or motivation, and yet we don't look for a time of reflection. So to do this, I believe you need a thinking place. That's a place where you can get away from busy life and pause to reflect and be refreshed. In my life, my office is not that place because in my office, there's always something on the desk, the tables, or the floor or wherever that's <laughs> screaming at me. So you have to create a place and then you have to schedule time to use that place. And I think that you will find that if you do that, then you will push the pause button more often. If you don't have a place that's separated, even if it's just a chair facing a wall so you can't see the rest of your life, and a time to use it, which should be every day or at least every week, then you will not push the pause button. Let me say something about that. If you design this kind of a place, then what will happen is you will end up having certain experiences that are life markers. So you go to a place, you're part of an event, you meet a person, you experience a relational change that marks you for life, something specific that happens that changes you, something important that happens that changes you. That's a life marker because you can look back and say, you know, from that point on, I transitioned, I changed, I adjusted, whatever. But if you don't take time and have a place to pause and reflect, you'll miss the significance of the life marker. So if you pause and reflect, you can move a life marker into a life maker. And I'm playing with words. What we really want is just not a mark someplace in our life that says, boy, from there on we changed. What we want is something that changes the life we're living. So you can take a life marker. The day you got saved is a life marker. And if you reflect on it and pause to reflect on it, then it can become a life maker for you. So when you pause, you allow growth to catch up. You stop a bit to let your souls catch up. You take time to let your thinking catch up with your feelings. And then you better understand what just happened to you. You see what God is trying to teach you or show you. You understand the significance of what has happened. And you implement changes and course corrections in your journey. So a pause that reflects is to take a life maker, sorry, marker, and make it a life maker. So that means you take a major experience or an encounter or event and it allows you to bring life out of that and make it a life maker. Okay, number three, but you need a place to do that. Number three, pauses with intention expand and enrich thinking. 
So if you intentionally pause, it will expand and enrich your thinking. Most of us think shallow. Most of us think surface. Most of us think whatever the heck we're going through today. And when you read biographies and autobiographies, and I do a lot of that, people who have impacted our world, be it political, business, cultural, spiritual, they virtually spend a lot of time considering, thinking, and reflecting. So solitude allows you to explore your feelings and your thoughts and then gives you new ideas and new experiences. I'm reading a biography, autobiography of a man who left a very successful occupation and decided in the middle of the 1980s that he'd start a bookstore in London when all the other bookstores were folding and fading and disappearing because the internet was coming on, all the other things were happening. And in 10 years, he actually produced 86 new stores in England, all of which are huge successes. And he took time to pause and reflect every day as to what was happening in his life to move it forward. Right? So a pause to reflect has a chance, a potential to change your life. Number four, when you take time to pause, you need to use your eyes. When you take time to pause and reflect, let your thinking catch up with your feelings, there are some three basic directions that your thinking can go. And these are very important. The first I, and you wrote E-Y-E, but I'm using the word, the letter I. The first one is investigation. When you begin to reflect, you need to investigate what you've been going through. And there's a corny old joke about the two guys who begin the job of being given the job of cleaning out the stable. And they're up to their ankles in horse manure. And one says to the other, there must be a horse around here someplace. Some things are obvious. They don't require a pause to reflect. <laughs> uh, yes, there must be a horse. But other things require you to play detective and investigate a little bit. So what you're trying to do when you pause is pull the truths out of what you've experienced. Pull truth out of what you're feeling. And the guy that the Catholic Church killed because he was a heretic. His name was Galileo. Um, he said, all truth, sorry, all truths are easy to understand once they are discovered. The point is to discover them. That takes investigation. So what you're doing when you're pausing is you're investigating your experiences, your feelings, your thoughts, trying to pull truth out of them. Because it's the truth that's going to change your life. It's the truth that sets you free. That means stopping and really figuring things out. Okay? That means asking questions. And the sheet I passed you out earlier is going to be the questions we're going to look at in about 10 minutes' time. Okay. So if we want to continually grow from our experiences and our feelings and our thoughts... We need to investigate. The second thing you do after you investigate is incubate. They're all eyes. Incubate. 
Incubation is similar to meditation. Meditation, you listen to God's word and listen for his voice. When you incubate, you're listening to your feelings and your thoughts. You're putting all of your experiences and all of this mess that's floating around on the inside of you that you haven't nailed down yet, you're putting it in a slow cooker and you're letting it simmer for a while and see what it comes up with. Thirdly, when you take time to pause, you need illumination. So you have to investigate first, and then you need to slow cook it, incubation, and then you need illumination. That means that after you've allowed this stuff to soak, you have to say now, what is it that that's teaching me? You need to pull the truth out of it, and that illuminates, that turns the lights on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when you do this, this pause that refreshes, refreshes and you do these three things, then you will have an aha moment in your life. And that's what you're looking for. You're looking for the aha moment, the aha encounter, the epiphany. Um, the light bulb turns on. So you need to spend time when you're going through this pause asking yourself a bunch of questions, not the ones that you have in front of you. So when I go to bed at night, I have trouble sleeping because I don't know the off switch on my brain. So I always go through a bunch of questions. So I wrote them down the other day to figure out what I really do. What did I accomplish, if anything? How am I feeling? Did I do my best? Who did I speak with? Who did I connect to? Because connecting and speaking to are two different things. Did I possibly wound anybody during the day by my words or actions? Is there some follow-up required? What did I learn about myself? And what do I need to change? Now, I do that every night. Because then my brain actually seems to slow down enough to allow me to go to sleep. In these refreshing times that we stop and pause, push the pause button, you need to start asking those kinds of questions. And you can do it more frequently than every three months or once a year or once a decade. Or, And what you're looking for is after you've investigated and incubated, you want something to become aha. You want some truth to surface. You want to, when I make soup, I boil it all and then I let the fat come to the top and I scoop it off. Well, that's what you're looking for, not just scooping it off the top. Okay. So, there are some good questions, and good questions are the heart of reflection. Amen? Okay. So, in your sheet, all of this, when you're doing it, is going to help you to grasp, and the most important thing you're trying to grasp is becoming self-aware. Who are you? What's making this tick? Why did this happen? What are you going to do about it? So... Self-awareness is the key to the pause that refreshes. And so when you're pausing and reflecting, you need to ask some questions so that you end up becoming more aware of yourself. Because otherwise you're just existing. And I meet too many people who are just existing. I meet so many people who are going around the same mountain over and over and over and over and over again. And if they would just stop, push the pause button and think about it, Life would be much more 
enjoyable, but also much more beneficial to everybody. Okay, so on your sheets. How do you develop personal self-awareness? Because that's the goal of this whole teaching. How do you develop a personal self-awareness? Well, the first thing you have to ask yourself is, what is my biggest asset? And that has nothing to do with your backside. What is your biggest asset? In my life, as I answer these questions, and I do this frequently, uh, at this point, it's the learned ability to take one day at a time and not worry or be anxious about everything. Because I could worry myself to death about everything that I'm involved in. Jesus said, refuse to worry about tomorrow. Deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Or the King James Version, sufficient are the evils of today for today. So I don't. what's your biggest asset? Answer the question. Maybe it's your attitude towards life. Maybe that's not your biggest asset. I don't know. What's your biggest asset? Second question you ask, what's your biggest liability? Maybe it's your attitude to life. <laughs> <laughs> My biggest liability is I believe in people too much. And that leads me to expect too much from them. And that leads me to being frustrated and disappointed. So I see the potential, I focus on that and miss everything else and usually end up getting killed by it. I don't know what, maybe your greatest liability is you don't believe in yourself or you have unrealistic expectations of other people or of yourself. Maybe you're passive, you figure it out. What's your highest high? That one I need to explain. In my life, I get the greatest kick seeing people reach for their potential and fulfilling the prophetic words spoken over them. So what gives you that high? What gives you that feeling of satisfaction, fulfillment? So I speak a lot of things like Romans 4.17, calling those things which are not as if they are. It's called prophecy. And when I see people going for it and making it happen, that's my highest high. Maybe in your life it's leading somebody to Jesus, if you've ever done that. Maybe it's defeating a bad habit. I don't know. Number four, what's your lowest low? In my life, it's watching family members making mistakes, knowing I could help them to avoid the mistakes if, big if, they would just ask. Maybe in your life it's a family member not walking with Jesus. Maybe it's when you disappoint yourself doing or not doing something you know better. And what's your most, most worthwhile emotion? Number five, what is my most worthwhile emotion? In my life it would be commitment. You may know that by another word it's called love. It's the same thing. So for me, I live my best when you love, when I love, and my family, my friends, my enemies some days, and love God. In your life, maybe a most worthwhile emotion, I don't know, is satisfaction from a job well done, feeling understood by those who are closest to you. So what's your most worthwhile emotion? What are you aiming for? Everybody likes to have their emotions button pushed. Number six, what is your least worthwhile emotion. 
Remember, we're doing the positive refreshes. We're reflecting on our life, events, activities, circumstances, and situations so that we become more self-aware because that's the goal. In my life, the least attractive emotion is feeling sorry for myself. It's called self-pity. And that happens when I'm really tired overseas and can't have the food being served because mm -hmm. it doesn't fit the diet. Mm -hmm. That happens when I'm tired and we're working till one in the morning and I'm feeling used and abused in the ministry. Maybe yours would be that you're misunderstood. I'm, I'm guessing, I don't know. Number seven, what's your best habit? In my life, it's reading books, two a week. And I read them regardless of how busy I am and recording what I'm learning in my electric, electronic journal. Maybe in your life, your best habit is eating. Maybe your best habit is eating correctly. <laughs> Maybe your best habit is exercising daily. It's not mine, but what's your worst habit? <laughs> in my life my worst habit is impatience with people uh, who know better and still do stupid things and harmful things to themselves number nine what is most fulfilling to me And in my life, that's simple, uh, teaching and leading people who are really hungry and willing to pay the price to grow. Uh, we can call that mentoring. I don't know what your most fulfilling would be in your life. And last question, number 10, what do I prize most highly? In my life, it's my faith because what I believe forms my values, guides my actions, it's foundational to my teachings, and it's the only source I have for security. So what do you prize most highly? So those are 10 questions that I ask myself to prompt myself to reflect and to help me to grow in the area of self-awareness. <sighs> They help me to pause, to focus, and learn about who I am and what changes are happening or should be happening. In other words, if you're on a journey to becoming who God created you to be, these are some good questions to reflect on. That sounds like a lot of work, huh? Too many steps, too much hard work, too much time. And you're right, it is. And that's why almost everybody I know never does it. And that's why almost everybody I know isn't growing and isn't developing and isn't changing. I discovered long ago that it, the time and the effort to do this is always worth it. The end result is worth the effort. And the further you go in life, the more critical it is that you take time to do this. And the older you get in life, the less time you have to stay on purpose and become who God created you to be. So the older we get, the more important this becomes. And so the goal of all of this is personal self-awareness, which will bring you personal growth, which will give you the ability to become who God created you to be, because we're not there yet. 
God has a plan and a purpose for each of us. And it's changing as we get older. So I think we need to push the pause button once in a while, ask some questions, and keep growing. And we don't grow by accident. We grow intentionally. So if you turn the page over, these are just examples. You can ask questions of yourself in any area that you're examining. So if you're sitting there wondering about your finances, wondering about friendship, wondering about your family, wondering about your business, wondering about whatever, and you're wanting to change something, you can ask questions. So if you want to grow in the area of relationships, there's 10 questions there for you. So let's look at them quickly. Do I value people? And if you do, what does that mean? What does it look like? Do people know I value them? How do I show it? Am I a plus or a minus in my most important relationships? What evidence do I have to confirm my opinion? What is the love language of the people I love? How do I serve them? Do I need to forgive someone in my life? Who in my life should I take the time to thank? And who in my life should be receiving more of my time? Just You can make your own questions up. I'm just making them up as I go along. Or if you are pausing to think about where you are in the area of personal growth, some questions. Do I know what areas of my personal life that I need to focus on and grow in? Well, if you're living on the surface, you do not know them. Which one should I work on first? That's setting your priorities. Is there someone who can help me grow in that area? So you would need a friend or an author or a family member or... Am I growing daily? What am I doing daily to grow? How am I growing? What are the roadblocks that that are keeping me from growing? What are the breakthroughs I need to keep growing? What were the potential learning moments I experienced today, and did I seize them? Am I passing on to someone what I am learning? Your questions don't have to be that detailed, but... You only have one life. This is not a dress rehearsal. We don't get to do this twice. And so we need to start examining what we're doing, why we're doing it, how we're doing it, with whom are we doing it, and where is it getting us? Because God wants us to be so self-aware that then we begin to actually change and become who he wants us to be. And it takes time, but... Everything that's good takes time. Amen? Okay. Questions?